Hello, welcome to No Lights Paranormal, where three paranormal investigators sit down and discuss the stories of the paranormal. My name is Joe, the lead investigator. My name is Teresa. I am the researcher who truly believes that every building has a story. I am the messiah of microphones, the cleric of cables, the tech wizard, Alex. Now that we have all been introduced, I would like to just start the topic. Um, today we are discussing sleep paralysis, night terrors, such as that. Um, I think this is an interesting and very interesting topic because there is so much to get into this. We've all looked up stories and there is a bunch of stuff on the internet like folklore, actual stories that popped up that we delved into a discussion that we didn't actually know we were going to have at first. So with no more holding on, let's jump into it. Yes, Teresa, you're first up. So um, obviously when looking into something like night terrors or any type of parasomnia event whatsoever, the very first thing that came to my mind was let's break down the actual stages of sleep, at least for humans. Correct. Um, obviously, the first stage is that you are awake. And one is the second stage, which is a, a very, very light sleep where you first fall asleep. It lasts maybe one to five minutes. It's you know not, not a big deal in terms of physical reactions from your body. Your respiration rate stays the same. Your heart rate stays the same. Your muscle tension stays the same. Then you enter uh, N2, which is a deeper version of sleep. This is where you know, your body temperature decreases, your respiration decreases, and um, the, what they call K-complexes, which are very long delta waves in the brain, take over, and those are what start kind of flowing and putting your body a little bit deeper into sleep. They also, uh, there's this thing called sleep spindles that are present, which basically what it is, is it's a brief um, neuronal firing in your brain, and studies suggest this plays a huge role in procedural and declarative um, memory, which basically is like what we would all kind of show like muscle memory. Mm. Like you just kind of go somewhere without really having to think about it or do something without really having to think about it. Uh, this stage of sleep lasts somewhere in the vicinity of about 25 minutes. It does in fact differ per person. Fun fact, this is also the stage where if you are a teeth grinder, this is the stage where you grind your teeth. So this is the one that gets you. Guilty. Right? <laughs> so then you enter N3, which is the deepest non-REM or rapid eye movement level of sleep. Now, this one is the absolute deepest level of sleep. This is where you get all of your rest. This is where your body regenerates cells. This is where it does everything that it needs to do. The good and, sleep. Exactly. The very good sleep. The super restful sleep. This is where your muscles are pretty much completely shut down because that's your body's natural defense against if you have a dream or something, um, you don't stand up and act out what's going on. Now, this is where your muscles just kind of start to shut down. They're still there a little bit. You could still reach over and, you know, I'm like my husband likes to elbow me in the nose. That's fun. So that, that happens during this stage of sleep. Also guilty. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but this, is, this is also the stage of sleep where things like sleepwalking or night terrors or bedwetting 
Um, all of those types of parasomnia events happen during this stage of sleep because your muscles are not completely shut down. So you still have the ability to move about, hence sleepwalking. Mm. So when you go a little bit further past that, you go into actual REM sleep. REM sleep, believe it or not, is not restful for your body. There is no regeneration, no cell repair. Um, your breathing intensifies and actually gets erratic. Your brain waves are all over the place. Um, you're dreaming. Um, all kinds of crazy things are going on. During this phase of sleep, your body does actually completely shut down your muscles because this is very much like a cognitive awake cycle for your brain. Only with your muscles shut down, you can't act out the awake thoughts that are going through your your cognition, I guess. Right. So parasomnia takes place in the deepest level or the, the N3 stage of sleep. That is when it's the hardest to wake you up. Somebody could poke you, there could be a loud noise. Chances are good you're not gonna wake up because your body is just flat shut down. Um, and so, which lends to why sometimes parasomnia events like a night terror you would have this sort of fight or flight response to an unknown fear going through your psychological brain and this stage of sleep is is between the waking world and the not waking world so since it's the hardest to wake up from it's the one that you get the fear response out of when you are woken up from it Hmm. okay so yeah just wanted to start there but you have a story tell. Well, before you start on that, I think it is actually, like I said earlier, I think it actually is very important to discuss the differentiates. You know the word I'm trying to say because it didn't come out right. <laughs> um, the differences between sleep paralysis and night terrors. I think it is actually very important that we discuss that distinction between it. But we will do that at a later time. So, Alex, go ahead with your story. All right. <clears throat> so, what's happened here? is in my research I think that I may have come up with perhaps the most interesting thing I personally have read uh, what I'm going to do is I am going to read you a case <laughs> report from 1664 mm, from back in the day from the Dutch physician Isebrand van Diemerbrock mm. Um, again, he was a Dutch physician, and he published a collection of case histories um, on this subject and a couple of other subjects. Either way, what I'll go ahead and do is go ahead and read the case report itself, and uh, we can discuss from there. So, in this case report, uh, this is his words verbatim. Uh, it's only like three paragraphs, so I'm just going to go ahead and read the whole thing. <clears throat> it says, case report, a woman of 50 years of age, in good plight, fleshy, strong, and plethoric, sometimes troubled with a headache, and catars falling upon her breast in the winter. Last winter, molested with no catars, but very sore in the daytime, but in the nighttime, when she was composing herself to sleep, Sometimes she believed the devil lay upon her and held her down. Sometimes that she was choked by a great dog or a thief lying upon her breast so that she could hardly speak or breathe. 
And when she endeavored to throw them off the birthroom, uh, she was not able to stir her members. And while she was in that strife, sometimes with great difficulty, she awoke of herself. Sometimes her husband, hearing her make a doleful, inarticular voice, waked her himself. And at what time she was forced to sit up in bed and fetch her breath. Sometimes the same fit returned twice in the night upon her going on again to rest. Um, Dr. Van Diemerbrock diagnosed the condition as follows. This affliction is called incubus, or the nightmare, which is an intercepting of the motion of voice and respiration with the false dream of something lying preponderously upon the breast, the free influx of spirits to the nerves being obstructed. He thought that due to the over-redundancy of the blood in the body of, uh, of blood in the whole body, uh, the motion of the muscles fail. Now, because the motion of the muscles, for the most part, ceases in time of sleep, except for the respiratory muscles, therefore the failing of the motion is first perceived by reason of the extraordinary trouble that arises for the want of respiration. Now, the patient in her sleep, growing sensible to that straightness, but not understanding the cause of that condition, or other ponderous body, or I'm sorry, I screwed that up. Uh, let's see here. Now, the patient in her sleep, growing sensible of that straightness, but not understanding the cause and the condition, believes herself to be overlaid by some demon, thief, or ponderous body. Being neither able to move nor breathe, the experiences can return the same night that if she fall asleep again, especially if she lie upon her back, the same evil returns. Van Diemerbrock thought that this condition was dangerous to the sleeper. This malady is dangerous, least the collected vapors being condensed in the head should breed a coma, apoplexy, or the like. He gives the advice as follows. Keep her in a pure and moderate hot air. Let her diet be sparing, but of good juice and easy, di easy digestion. Let her suppers be more moderate than her dinners. Her drink must be small, her exercise moderate, and so must her sleep be. And let her be careful of sleeping upon her back. Lastly, sedate the mind and a soluble body are of great moment in this case. So, that was actual police report? Uh, not police report. That was the physician's report. That was the case report from the physician. Oh, okay. Basically, he's describing her having a bout of sleep paralysis. And, and what we now know is sleep paralysis. And how to... All those lovely, lovely wives' tales about how to make sleep better so that you, you know, transition between your sleep phases easier and don't go through this. Correct. I went with that one because I, I find it interesting the terminology that a physician would use in the 1600s. Right, it's, yeah. It's, you know, Much for him to call it an incubus or... A nightmare. And, which is amazing because it was very widely believed that right. Incubus was responsible for night terrors. Well, yes, exactly. And the, the much Shakespearean writing that that was. Uh, yeah, it was very interesting the way that he worded a lot of that because, like you said, 
a lot of that is melted into it. Huh. Yeah, my apologies for the reading on that one. Clearly, I'm, I'm not a Shakespearean, so... Right, right. <laughs> it's fine. Huh. Very interesting. I like that. So, okay. So, Alex, that was the end of your story, or did you have that, more to that's, it? That's it for me. That was the okay. end of that story. All right, cool. Funnily enough, um, the stories that I was looking up uh, in the research that I was doing um, kind of mirror that a little bit. Uh, it was... I found this website as I was doing some research, and the website's a little bit odd. It's called liveabout.com.com, uh, and it's this article written by Stephen Wagner, and I hope I pronounced your name right. If you guys want to look it up, those who are listening, please feel free. It's an interesting read. But he brought up a lot of the stories of the old hag phenomenon, um, because like that, a lot of old hags... They, they, they're sitting on your chest. They're doing all this. And it's a collection of stories from a bunch of different people across the world. Um, it's like an old hag phenomenon. And there's many different ones of them. One is the black-eyed hag. Uh, this person, when they were 14 years old, had the same thing. Someone sitting on their chest, withdrawing their breath, woke up, had sleep paralysis moment, and then saw a figure standing there. Uh, the other one is the gray in the hag. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that one. And yes, uh, that one's very interesting. I'm not going to get into it because there's like 10, 12 stories into this one. To read them all was just take too much time. Um, there's also one of a reporting choking old hag mm-hmm. where it literally feels like you're being choked in the middle of the night. Um, I feel that sometimes, but I think that's just me snoring. <laughs> um, there's also one, Teresa, that I've heard you talk about. Mm-hmm. It's called the wolf figure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they saw figures with red eyes mm-hmm. looking after they had a sleep paralysis moment. Um, another one, uh, he talks about some things that uh, like evil re- generates from her. And this is like, oh, they're talking about incubus, incubi, uh, that it's just demons and all that. Um, uh, they had another one in here where one actually strangled a girl, a girlfriend of the writer. Uh, and he was having the sleep paralysis moment or night terror moment, and his girlfriend felt choked. Interesting. First reading this, I'm like, well, he probably just choke her. Yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> no, it it literally it was two different things. Um, he actually woke up to her gasping for breath, and he hadn't moved. Creepy. But he saw the whole thing happening. Um, there's many different. Uh, the woman and the reaper. Uh, saying that the old hag is misleading that it's actually a reaper coming to take your soul. Um, the it's, original old hag story actually started as folklore in Newfoundland. Right. And that one of those stories is in here. And uh, there's another one called The Hag and the Bald Man, which I found particularly hilarious because right. I am bald. Yes. Uh, bald um, but yes, it, it, go to the website, look it up. It's a very interesting read. Uh, and it kind of delves into a little bit of folklore with a lot of it. Um, but it's still an interesting read because of the topic that we're on right now. And upon doing further research, I looked up the night hag and the old hag stuff. And it brought up a lot of what you talked about in that physician's report. Um, and it, it, most sleep paralysis was determined to be from an incubi way back in the day. And um, that came from a lot of different things. Uh, it, it, it was... The, the mare, like you had mentioned. Uh, that came from Germany. 
um, or Old Norse. It, it, it just goes down through the list of the world on this stuff. Well, again, uh, Dutch physician. So right, exactly. Makes sense. Uh, Scandinavian folklore, like you had mentioned, mm-hmm. that they, they mention it. So a whole bunch of this stuff is mentioned, and now that there is more research done on this, um, I think it's, it, it's interesting because we have a segue, like I told you two earlier, we have a segue into the paranormal and the scientific here. To where not everything that is bumping the night may actually be bumping the night. Because upon researching sleep paralysis and night terrors and the actual scientific definition for it, um, certain food causes night terrors. Uh, anything that's very sugary actually stimulates the brain a little bit more. And that's how you get those weird movements. Um, one thing I found out was hilarious was pickles actually could cause night terrors. Um and if you want to look up this article too, it's on Casper.com. You can look it all up. They have a whole list there of stuff that can cause night terrors and all that. Now, the sleep paralysis, I actually have a personal story with that because I had one of those. Mm, I love the Where you're talking about the whole, like, deep, deep sleep. Mm-hmm. Just having one of those. I lived in <clears throat> Akron years ago, and I was probably about 14, 15 years old. So, to preface that just a tiny bit, um, the N3 stage of sleep, which is your deep reparative sleep, is 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 actually yes for all of those other parasomnia things but as far as a sleep paralysis situation goes you actually fall into rem or rapid eye movement level of sleep yes which is why your body goes paralysis right and that's what i experienced because i was laying in bed now mind you i'm on the second floor and i felt that rapid eye movement and it looked like a sounded and felt like a train going by Mm -hmm. like you get that rush of wind and of that and then i woke up and saw someone standing there and it freaked me out i had no idea what it was but i found it interesting so much more research is coming out about the way the brain acts when it's sleeping i just found this subject very interesting to look up into because like i said i think it's a good segue to what we do as investigators we go in to debunk the actual haunting. Not that we don't believe it. We're going in to debunk it because that's what investigators do. Mm-hmm. We go in not believing that supernatural right off the rip because when you believe in it, your brain will pull certain things here and there to make it real. Mm-hmm. If Rule you go, out the normal first. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that was... Kind of my story and stories, as I say. Like I said, go check out the websites. It's a very interesting read. I think you guys who are listening will greatly enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, go check it out, please. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm also getting kind of over a cold, so I have kind of a cough here. Spring. Um, but, yeah. On that note, uh, because you were naming the different things, um, and it kind of crosses into folklore, and I just... So the last two that weren't mentioned by you or Teresa, uh, what I'd like to do is mention what countries the last two call them. Uh, so the last two that I found in a particular article that mentioned a lot of these, the old hag, right. so on and so forth. Uh, in Japanese, sleep paralysis mm. is called kanashibara, or mm. kanashibari, mm. kanashibari. Credit for uh, pronunciation. <laughs> right. The term is rooted in Buddhism, and long ago, it was believed that Buddhist monks could use magic to mm-hmm. paralyze others. Yeah. Yes. Go right. Now, the irony to this sleep paralysis 
in this night terror talk that in China it's labeled ghost depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> yes. Yeah. And there's actually talks of jinn doing that as so well. So in um, pre-Islamic Arabic culture, yeah, it, they it's yeah they blame it on jinn. Yep, because they're literally trying to steal the soul. Exactly. From and yes, there's things across the entire world that has, and this is the folklore part of it, where they kind of delve into a little bit of it, mm-hmm. where they have the real, and then they create something because they've never dealt with it before. Very cool. Sort of like, oh, it must be this. Whether or not it's true, we don't know. We're just speculating at this point. But So, one of the things, one of the things that I thought is there's, there's huge, huge differences between night terrors and sleep paralysis, like you were saying before, yes. and differentiating the two is, is pretty important. Right. So with sleep paralysis, like I said, you are in the REM portion of sleep, which literally paralyzes your body. Uh, so you could have a feeling of being conscious because this is the most active portion of, of sleep for your brain. You, you're basically in an awake state as far as your brain activity goes, your respiration, all of it. Right. Um, it's only that your body literally paralyzes itself so that you can't act any of this out while you're sleeping. Um, But as you are passing through the stages of sleep, or if you happen to get suddenly awoken out of REM sleep, that is where sleep paralysis is triggered. Um, And I found a really crazy cool article that started talking about um, night terrors, which also read a little bit into the sleep paralysis topic. And what it was talking about is how night terrors is, is literally considered a sleep disorder where a person is quickly awakened from sleep and they are just simply terrified. It can be triggered by all sorts of things, fever, lack of sleep, uh, periods of emotional tension, stress, conflict, funny foods, all kinds of things can right. cause it. With that said, um, one, of the, one of the case studies talks about how children... Children back in the day, you're, we're talking like way back in the day, co-sleeping was a thing. Right. There yeah. were not cribs. There were not really bassinets. Co-sleeping uh-huh. is just how babies slept. And that's how you save money. And this goes all the way back into the animal kingdom. Huh. Apes, they co-sleep with their babies. Huh. Um, dang near every type of animal there is co-sleeps with their babies. Then we come into modernized human culture where we are taking our children and we are saying, okay, you're not gonna sleep with us anymore. We're gonna put you in your very own room all by yourself in the dark. Yeah. And as humans, it gives us a psychological fear response. Yes, it, not to interrupt you, I know you no, probably please. a little bit more to say. Uh, there was somebody that mentioned in, you know, I was either watching a TikTok or a YouTube video but somebody mentioned something about that, about being born of this world. Uh, we've already experienced the most traumatic thing we've, we're ever going to experience in Birth. our entire life. Because we literally were ripped out of the only home we've ever known. Exactly. We've had to change our way of breathing. Uh, and as soon as we come out, some doctor's slapping us on the butt. Literally, like, uh, bam. And then we're introduced into a cold, a cold, very bright, bright world. Horrible. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, there's it, it, it's a little bit of a traumatic thing, but... As you get older, you kind of forget that. 
I don't think so, a single one of us can look back and be like, I remember the damn I was born. I also <laughs> wanted to totally hit on the idea, though, that it is most common for children between the ages of three and five to have night terrors. Yes, yes. And so we're they're still in that stage where it's actually happening and we haven't grown older and forgotten it yet. Right. So that that seems to be one major scientific explanation for why night terrors exist. Because as a human, we are still animals. You take this generation after generation after generation, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, of co-sleeping, and you rip your child out of it and you put them in a bed in the dark all by themselves and you walk away and you expect them to just hang out there all night. Well, sleeping is our absolute most vulnerable time and as mammals, it is hardwired into our brain to sleep in pairs, in packs, with our entire troop. So when you're doing this, you're literally causing a, a fear response in your child. So <clears throat> I just want to mention a couple of things just on a baseline level that we can discuss from there. Um, basing on what you guys are saying, what you guys have said, uh, a humanity's biggest fear is probably just the fear of the unknown itself. Oh, yes, of course. Like, to some extent, you know... That's also and, and pretty hardwired. The unknown itself is a big variable, right? It's it, it unknown. can be anything. Yes, yeah. you know? um, That's the reason why I hate deep water. <laughs> uh, also, with something that I think goes along with night terrors and sleep paralysis... And the fact that, you know, in this dream state, be it your, uh, your what, your N3 or your REM yeah, yeah, yeah. sleep, uh, being is that you're only conscious, <laughs> really, in your subconscious, um, you don't really know what's going on. Right. And as humans, um, even when it comes to things like uh, the way that the brain works, even when it comes to things like ghost photography and reviewing evidence, yeah. uh, we've all seen the windows with the smudges that yeah. look like faces. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, in my opinion, you know, we label these things as night terrors, and you know, people feel that these things are real, but. I feel like a lot of that could be attributed to our brain making up an explanation that because it's something we are unfamiliar with just happened. Right. And th like we've said before, that's your brain trying to rationalize the thing you just saw happen right in front of you. Now, uh, with that said, what I will say is hauntings do happen at night. Oh, yeah. All right. You know, I have lived in places where I've watched black swirls go around my ceiling at bedtime. And I was not asleep. I had I, not gone to bed yet. Right. Not into any of that. That was the scariest shit I've ever experienced. Either way, the point to this little subclip in the conversation that I want to bring up to people is real stuff does happen. Yes. We're not saying that everything that happens at night is a night terror or sleep paralysis. Yes. If you are having an issue, um, you can reach out to somebody like us or there's groups in every area or your um, physician yeah and alternatively 
you can buy a cheap audio recorder for $15 anywhere. Well, most of them come on your phone nowadays. <laughs> so Every phone has a camera on it. Yeah. Set it up yeah. to record. You know, Don't be afraid to record yourself sleeping. And if nothing happens, just delete it. Right. But at least that gives you the peace of mind that... Hey, this really is something. Oh my god, I better call a paranormal team because there's some black shit over in the corner. (laughs) Not mold. Or there's nothing there. If that happens, definitely 110%. Give us a call. We will do our best to help you if you are in our area. And if you're not in our area, we will hook you up with someone credible who is in your area. Never let swirly things happen in your house. Unless you're cool with it. Like, if you're cool with it, that's fine, <laughs> then, too. You know then what? if you are, that's a little weird. Yeah, but, uh, groovy. Good for you. And, and no, that's the thing. is like it, I wasn't saying in the discussion that nothing happens. It's all scientific. It's all in your head. That wasn't what I was saying whatsoever. I was just saying that most people, like we were saying with the mind, branching out, trying to make sense of something they just saw, we tend to believe something is there when it isn't. Now, yes, there is also the case. There may actually be something there. Um, Agreed. I just wanted to sub-blurb because for the audience, we realize that all of our stories tonight have been more from like a medical standpoint or a this is what happens during sleep standpoint. So I just wanted to sub-blurb that we're not doubting that it could be something. I personally am 100% behind the idea that, that parasomnia is a medical thing. With that said, that does not at all mean that spirits, whether they be good or bad, can't be present while you are in your room, in your bed, in your most comfortable, most vulnerable place. It can happen. Right. And you might very well not even be in any stage of sleep. You could be completely awake and something is there. And your body is going to know it because we have all of these different chemical and electrical systems in our bodies that let us know when something around us just isn't right. Right. That's your fight or flight response. And if your body picks up on something that just isn't right, you need to be listening to it. Oh, of course. No matter what situation, no matter what location, no matter what time of day, you need to hear your body. Uh, If it does happen to be an actual parasomnia sleeping issue you can see your doctor and get get definite help with that with trying to figure out ways to either cope with it or prevent it exactly because it's scary it's terrible yes and like i said that was the basis of this because it's a very misunderstood kind of topic a lot of people will just assume a lot when it comes to this kind of stuff mm-hmm. so I, like i said it's a very interesting topic and something i've been very interested in for a long time to talk about um what better but, place to see a ghost than when the lights are off and you're laying quiet in your bed? Or when your house creaks at the exact same time, Every exact same night. night. Yeah. yeah. It, at some yeah. point, when is it no longer just a coincidence? Right. And like I said, most people just jump to the conclusion that exactly. it's something that's like, no. First of all, if your house creaks at different times during the night, you probably got an old house. Mm. Um, or any house, really. Even new houses will settle and creak like crazy. Right. But pay attention, like Alex said, get a recorder, record some of it. 
Um, I also did that, and there's many apps out there that you can actually get yourself that will record your sleep to tell you when you're getting deep sleep. If you have sleep apnea, that you may actually mm. want to require help for that. Um, there's many apps that you can get for that that are absolutely free that you can actually download and use. Um, I tried one of them, and <laughs> nothing in there was scary, but I did snore a lot, and it's the first time I've heard myself snoring, and it was concerning to me. <laughs> oh. Found out I did have a little bit of sleep apnea. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's, it's really, really important because sleep apnea can actually prevent you from entering N3, which is your deepest stage of sleep, right. because it, it keeps your body too upset to actually enter that stage of sleep. So you're not getting good restful sleep. Your body's not repairing and regenerating. It's super important that if something like that is going on, if you're snoring, if you're gasping, if you're waking up feeling like you're out of breath at random times, see your doctor. Yeah. Super important. One thing that I think is worth mentioning, for no real reason other than it was something that I found recurring in almost every episode of night terrors and sleep paralysis in the case studies that I found. Uh, and he even mentioned it in his case study from 16 whatever I said. Yeah. Um, I have found that one common symptom or perhaps what you would consider a cause. Um, it happens most often when people sleep on their backs. Mm, yeah, I've heard yeah. that too. Yeah. But did you know that sleep apnea is also most commonly triggered when you're on your back because that's when those muscles relax. I sleep on my back. Exactly. Those muscles relax and they collapse in on themselves and that's exactly what sleep apnea is. And yeah. to be fair... Sleep apnea itself, for anybody that doesn't know, but I'm going to assume that everybody does know, it's when you stop breathing while you sleep. Mm -hmm. So if you wake up during a sleep apnea triggering okay. event, yeah. and you just happen to be waking just happen up to not out be able of REM sleep, and it snaps you awake, yeah. all kinds of panic is going to enter oh, your yeah. body. Yeah, no, I've, I've definitely felt that. That's been a constant thing. Mm -hmm. um, which is why I resorted into getting a different type of pillow. Sure. Because it instead of just laying it flat Keeps back and my head goes open. back, closing off those passageways, mm -hmm. it lifts my head up and kind of, yeah, it helped out a lot. Phenomenal idea. Slept like a baby. Yeah, phenomenal <laughs> so, idea. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of a narcoleptic. I can sleep anywhere. Uh, but when I go to bed, I am a side sleeper. I yeah. cannot sleep on my back, so I guess I kind of dodged that bullet. Yeah, right? You really did. You really did. And see, the weird thing is, I used to be a side sleeper, like that, on my, laying on my left shoulder, like that was the best sleep I ever had. And then, as I got older, it changed positions. So uh, when I started having surgeries, when I got my gallbladder taken out and all that stuff. I uh, having surgery makes it so you can't lay on any of your sides right. because it's like pulling at your stitches and stuff. Yep. So for months I had to lay on my back. So I can't sleep on my side anymore. Yeah. But I mean, interesting discussion. Uh, didn't mean to get into sleep habits, but <laughs> I think that it's all very, very connected. It, it is, and that's what makes it uh, the paranormal itself and science so interesting is because. They often mirror each other. Oh, 100% agree. Um, which is what I found out doing some research on this. It's like you can't look up night terrors or anything like that without having a scientific website pop up. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, to, to an extent, it kind of disappoints me that that's the case. I mean, we have all, you know, 
and including everybody that would be listening to this. If if you're listening to this and you don't watch the ghost hunting shows, right. I don't really know what you're doing with your life. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you found us because it all goes hand in hand. But yeah. um, no. So what I was getting at is we've all seen the episodes where shit happens when people are asleep. Right. You know, they wake up with literally people choking them and people wake up with these marks on them. Yeah. And, you know, we've all heard the stories of the man in the hat that right. hangs out at the end. So to an extent, it kind of saddens me a little bit, but I understand it because anytime that you go to search something that could have some kind of medical diagnosis, medical diagnosis tends to flood Right, Any Google right. yeah. responses. Yeah. yeah, WebMD pops his ugly head. And, and again, just to clarify, I firmly believe in spirits, in the paranormal, in ghosts, right. in whatever you want to call them. Um, and in so many cultures, they're called all kinds of different things. Right. We all do. That's why we do that. Exactly. And I do 100% believe and know for an absolute fact, at least in my brain, that that these things can in fact come and visit you when you are at your most vulnerable, right. which is when you're trying to sleep. But I also believe in the science of sleep, the science of sleep paralysis. This I, I believe in the um, you know evolutionary tendencies that we have uh, programmed into our children, and then you know you throw them in their own in, in their own room in the dark by themselves and expect them to sleep and expect them not to be afraid. Right. So I, I just. There's, I think there's so so much interestingness going on in that. Well, I mean, on the flip side, if it actually is evil spirits trying to do something, what could one possibly do Well, first to you stop call that? a young priest and an old priest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just describe the plot line of the exorcist. That's but exactly right. what I did. <laughs> so um, what I would highly recommend is that you reach out to a paranormal group that is in your area. You can reach out to us anytime that you like. NoLightsParanormal at gmail.com or NoLightsParanormal on Facebook. Um, reach out to us. Say hello. Tell us what's going on. I will do my absolute best to make sure that if we are not close enough to help you and give you a little bit of guidance with the background and information and history that we know of, I will find somebody who is close to you who can help you. So never fear, just shoot us an email. And there are multiple shops out there that actually carry this stuff there are that you need. tons of para, well, I guess- we'll Metaphysical stores. We'll call it metaphysical stores. Don't we actually stores. know there one? As a matter of fact, our dear friend Summer and her lovely man Joe own um, Mountain and Flame. Visit Mountain of Flame in Wadsworth, Ohio. <laughs> in Wadsworth. You can actually find them on Facebook as well. Uh, I would highly recommend that you touch base with them as well. They have got some uh, really amazing herbs and stones that can help you to cleanse yourself, your own energy, the energy around you, um, and, and also help protect you from negative entities that may be around you, which can help if you are having some type of paranormal parasomnia event. That yes. said, as the cleric of the group, yes, I would just like to touch on uh, something regarding um, whether you call it cleansing or protecting yourself mm. or how. What I have learned 
over my time, over, you know, 20 years doing this and being old enough to do it on your own and running a group and being considered an adult and yeah. then your opinion actually matters. So over, you know, 25 years of doing that and then the 10 years before doing it the <laughs> unadulterated way. Right. Um, cleansing is easy. Protecting yourself is easy. The whole, the whole point you have to make when it comes to cleansing or protecting yourself is you have to believe what you're doing. Absolutely. Yes. Whether, whether you're a Christian or you're a pagan or you're a Druid or you're Catholic, you have to believe what you're saying. You have to believe whatever you think protects you can and will protect you. If you do not believe in the power of your own strength and your own uh, spirituality, then what good is it if you don't even believe in it? It can't protect you if you don't put power into it. So know, know who you are, know what you believe, and, and set up your boundaries and just say, you know what, this is where I'm at, and, and no matter what else is out there, this is my wall and you can't get past it. Well, also... Go ahead. I only say that because I, to a small degree, and maybe it's a little bit of OCD, the blatant overuse of the idea of I'm going to use sage to cleanse my house <laughs> drives me absolutely crazy. Yes. It's, it's not, if you don't know what you're doing, you can't actually make it worse. So I also just want to remind you that if you know anybody who has asthma or severe allergies, please, for the love of God, don't burn sage in your house. You could literally send someone into anaphylaxis. Yeah, sage and sweetgrass, for those of you who do the traditional old magic's way of cleansing, uh, it's not good for people with asthma, or actually no. it's not even good to do it while you're in the house. It doesn't yeah. matter if you have it's, asthma, it'll burn your lungs. And it stinks the yeah, Open your windows. Yeah. yeah. Open all the windows. But that's it. I mean, what I mean by that is, if you are a Catholic or a Christian, for instance, Talk to your church. Oh, that absolutely. is that is your absolutely. Your spiritual yes. leaders are going to have all kinds of good advice about strengthening your relationship with your beliefs in order to protect yourself. Exactly, and, and sorry, I was coughing there. That's why I didn't say anything to it. Um, having a bit of a coughing fit here, guys. Uh, but yes, if you, you say your prayers, take your vitamins. Uh, exactly. Go to church. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your priest. Um, but, and I will touch on what you guys said. If you get into any of this, please know what you're doing. And if don't you get don't, into it any willy-nilly because you will potentially bring harm to yourself and others. And, and please, please reach out. Reach out to people who know what's going on. Nobody, there is no such thing as an expert in the paranormal field because it is all theory. Yes. We have no hard facts. But there are folks who have been in it for long enough to have some idea of what's going on. Reach out to those people, use them for their knowledge to help you out. I guess the quick and precise point that I was trying to get at is I understand how in times of uncertainty and desperation, people can reach out for any answer that they think right. might right. help them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just want you to be confident in the fact that if you are a Christian, your beliefs 
and your church is going to be a more effective cleansing tool than you stepping out of your comfort zone and oh I'm going to try the sage method because my yeah. friends over here are saging yeah. to bless if you're a Christian please don't try to do Wiccan rituals if you're a Catholic please do not try druidic rituals uh, use what your faith is strong in that's what's going to work for you that's why I said just talk to God exactly <laughs> talk to whomever your God is you have the power to tell it to go away and as long as you believe that you can make it go away it will go away mm-hmm. so with that said we've got the closing of the laptop yes we're at the 45 minute mark now next week yes I was going to say you got the topic next week so what are you going to bring uh, I have the topic next week and I would absolutely love to talk about the um, not just European but the American spiritualism movement Ouija boards table tipping mm. dowsing you name it I want to talk about all so of it so all the things we use minus the Ouija board because no but uh. it's part of the spiritualist movement and that's what I want to talk about is the spiritualist movement. All right. of the people that helped make spiritualism and talking to the dead and seances popular in U.S. culture. And I might also say kind of demonized quite a few of the things that have to do with the paranormal world. Yeah, some of it's justified, but yes, I give it your meaning. Yeah. So that is the 45-minute mark. Alex, unless you have anything else to say. Yes. Uh, what I would like to say is, again, I just wanted to reiterate... Um, as you all know, we tell stories. We tell you know, paranormal stories that we read in multiple different places. If you have any stories that you would like to share with us or that you would like us to share, please email nolightsparanormal at gmail.com or get a hold of us on Facebook. Feel free to share your stories with us. And we can share your stories with our own opinions and completely anonymous. We do not have to say your name if you don't want us to. Yep. And also, don't forget on this podcast, like, share, share, share. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Don't forget us. No Lights Paranormal, Facebook.com. Thank you, guys. That's all the show we got for tonight. You guys have a great night.